Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is Manuj Argawal, a recognized entrepreneur, founder, CEO of Tetra Noodle Technologies, and a successful inventor of four patents in AI and machine learning. He's developed uh, more than 500 million in value, provided more than 50 startups and enterprise solutions during his career, and scaled systems globally to millions of users. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. I'd love it if you can give our audience uh, a bit of a background on you, you know, where you've been throughout your life to get to this place now. Yeah, yeah. So I am today considered one of the leading experts in the field of artificial intelligence. I have uh, four patents in AI and I have written two books on technology. So uh, I've been in the technology space for about 25 years. I worked with uh, hundreds of startups and a lot of um, large corporations, Basically, they wanted to innovate within a large corporation like Microsoft, IMB, ING Bank, IBM, uh, Pearson Education. So my uh, sort of expertise is uh, understanding what the business wants, building technology around it. Uh, some of the projects that we have delivered, they actually got praise from Obama, President Obama and Bill Gates. Besides uh, uh, providing technology solutions, so we also provide business consulting, how to grow business organically, how to take business internationally. And this is all done through you know, various technologies and processes we have developed over the years and technology has a lot to do with it. And then finally, I'm also the community leader of Startup Vancouver, which is a community of about 2,500 uh, startups and entrepreneurs. Yeah, and obviously this wasn't something that that well maybe it was i'd love to know something that you thought of doing you know at 20 saying this is what i'm going to do uh what got you to mm. to getting into the world of, of ai machine learning and 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 tech no no i mean yeah i mean i had a very humble beginning uh you know i, I when i was uh, in india growing up i was um, basically uh, working in a factory for two dollars a day i had no clue at 20 where life was taking me um uh you know as as, as generally uh, is the case for most 20 years old. Uh, but I found a lot of satisfaction in creating writing programs and creating uh, things on random things on computers. So I knew that I wanted to, you know, do something with computers. And this was back in, you know, late 90s when uh, the internet, at least in India, was a brand new thing. So it was still like just catching on. And so I, I was able to ride that wave, initial wave. And then uh, later on, uh, around 2010 or so, you know, these latest technologies, AI becoming started becoming more popular, machine learning. Even though AI has been around since 1960s, because of cloud computing, because of you know a lot of computing power being available, um, AI became a lot more accessible to a lot 
more companies. So I started getting heavily involved in that blockchain projects. So most of the work in AI has been done after 2010. Before that, it was a lot of other like sort of different technologies, programming, building apps, websites, those those kind of things. Yeah. And so it was a, a process for you of uh, what I enjoyed and then just being a part of it and then, you know, obviously finding opportunities to create value. I, I think that uh, that's that's in essence what makes all of us successful is how we can create value for others. What's something that you're maybe working on now or something that you have worked on in the past that really sort of lit you up with the the future possibilities to come from it? Yeah, I mean, uh, very interesting question because, you know, whenever I pick a project to work on, I look at what is the human impact of that project. So, you know, I've done a lot of work in healthcare, for example, built a lot of systems for uh, patients. One of the biggest systems that uh, I built was for uh, the uh, province of British Columbia in Canada. So British Columbia is one of the provinces in Canada, and we have about like three, three to five million population. So we had to build a system to digitize healthcare for the entire uh, population. And that was exciting. Then I built systems for students. So, you know, um, Pearson Education is a very large educational technology company. They were actually publishers originally, but now they are getting, getting heavily into it, educational technology. So they have millions and millions of students across the world who they teach, uh, starting from kindergarten all the way to higher education. So I, I was uh, responsible for building that large system. So, you know, through these experiences, I realized how big an impact technology can have and how it is changing lives, you know. And um, this was uh, a few years ago, and already things have changed so much, especially after the pandemic. And so the way that I'm looking at it is next five to 10 years are going to be even more drastic change where a lot of things that we, you know, that we take for granted or or how we live, work, or play are going to change because of automation, because of AI, because of, you know, a lot of these technologies that are maturing, that are being adopted at a rapid, rapid pace. And that's what excites me to see how these technologies really impact uh, human life. Technology progression scares a lot of people. And I think that purely comes from the, the uh, an ignorance or naivety to the, the level of impact that technology has already had on somebody's life and to not be aware of what this stuff means and therefore what mm. it can achieve for us. I, I was listening to an interesting conversation. I forget who, who was, was doing it, but uh, they talked about, can everybody be rich, right? Everybody wants to make more money and, and it's not for the money. It's for what the money will get us. And, and the thought experiment being that the reason that we work is to put food on our table and to create experiences for ourselves and things like that. The, the, the more wealth you have, the more you can impact other people. And it tends to be the case, right? That the most wealthy are thinking about that sort of thing. And so the argument being, can, can everybody be rich? And, and, and this is, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Basically the, the point of it was, well, if we have technology that replaces the need for us to do the work to serve ourselves, then what can we focus on? We can focus on all the things that we enjoy as people and creating experiences for other people, connecting with other people, learning things in a, in a, in a pleasurable kind of uh, uh, relaxed way rather than I've got to do my job to make money. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. see AI being a, a big part of that. And what's your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think you 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 are on the right track here. You see what happened. Let's talk about uh, first part of the question, which is, can everybody be rich? No, I don't think so because 
uh, this world pays based on the input you provide. Meaning, you know, um, whatever value we create, we'll we'll get paid for that. And let's face it, not a lot of people actually want to create any value. I mean, they just, just content not doing anything. And this is not a knock on anybody. Uh, this is just what human nature is, right? So people are disproportionately producing value in the world and that'll continue to happen whether AI exists or not. Now, the next part is how AI will impact. Yes, absolutely true. You know, ever since fire was invented, we have been utilizing technology for making our lives easier. The wheel came, the printing press came, the steam engine came, and all these things basically speed up consumption and production, right? And uh, that has created a very easy life for us. Now we can walk to a superstore, get food, you know, versus even 100 years ago, nobody had a clue how to, you know, get consistent level of quality of food in their home and whatnot. So when AI comes along, you know, our cognitive powers will be free to do whatever we want. Because right now, as you said, like we are using it all day long to push papers, you know, write, write diagnosis, what have you. But once we are free to do whatever we want, we will be focused more on more pleasant human experiences, who can provide unique experiences, who can provide empathetic listening capabilities. These are the things that will become more important. And whoever finds new business models out of this desire for humans to always feel good and enjoy the life will succeed. And they they will produce more value. They will be richer and People who uh, will not change their ways, they'll they'll have to uh, you know uh, suffer the consequences. I guess, uh, and and uh, I, I agree about the, the the disproportionate value creation and 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 therefore wealth creation that comes from that, right? Like people, you know, you look at Elon Musk and 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 how much you know his net worth is, and people get upset by that, thinking he's taken it, right? And and it's it's this weird belief that. Well, if I don't have much and you have lots, it must be because you took what I have, and and we know mm-hmm. logically that that's not true. Like I guess you know I, you know you you might not have taken from me, but somebody has because I'm worth something, and why don't I have all of this? And and I think that a lot of that comes from we we overestimate the amount of value that we think that we are worth and are creating, and are, and unwilling to accept that maybe we're not. And so mm-hmm. if the reason that Elon has his wealth is because he's taken us to Mars. He's built all, you know, he's revolutionized the electric car industry. And, and so he should have that because if you gave the 200 billion to Dave down the road, as we know with lotteries, most people lose it within what's the stat, something like within two years, they, they lose it. And it's because it's, it's not just about, do I have money, but how do I use that money? And that's why it accumulates for some and, and not for others. But I think that, that my point, uh, more was that there is most of us are working towards a place where we don't have to sell our time and our effort to make the money to buy the things that give us the the experience, and that we we sort of saw that I think in in and around the pandemic in that when we're having lockdowns and people aren't working and the and the government was printing and giving us money, not to our benefit long term but in the short term, we felt like well you know, I can work from home. I can be near my kids. I can watch lots of Netflix. And I think that what technology will enable us to do is not have to sell our souls to just pay for our lifestyle. But then there will be those of us who create greater experiences and produce more 
wealth, you know, currency, whatever that turns to be, um, to then be able to buy bigger ones. Because what I've realized myself is that once you get above the point of basic uh, quality of life, which is super relative depending on where you are. And we talked about this, for example, uh, you know, in India, let's say, then it becomes for me when I was collecting more money, right. And trying to do new things. It was, it was to lift myself and others up, not to take from other people. It was, how can I create more for me so I can go and do bigger and better things? I don't just want to fly, you know, down, you know, a few hours down New Zealand. I want to go to Europe. I don't just want to go to Europe. I want to go there in luxury. And they become these, these levels that if you're hungry enough to pursue it, you, you can achieve. And I think that technology will, and it already has, right? The, 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 the amount of poverty, maybe people don't want to you know, look at this, is actually reduced dramatically. And, and the wealth distribution is, we've all richer, we're all richer than we've ever been um, mm. in the grand scheme of things. And technology has, has brought a lot of us out of that. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I think that when, you, when you're not aware of what technology is and, and how computers work and what's going on, we can see them as taking away jobs instead of making all of our, our lives easier. The funny thing for me with this is supermarkets when you can, you know, you can go and swipe your own food and, and, and buy things at the supermarket and, we'll, and you'll hear people of a certain age uh, talking about how it's taken away jobs. And I'm thinking, well, you know, steam engine, did it take away jobs from horse and cart drivers and, uh, you know, horse people who raised horses, you know? Yeah, sure. If they didn't adapt. Yeah. yeah. You know, I would love to ask you about what Elon's doing and his intent on building personal robots. Uh, and, and his, his feeling from what I've seen is that it's going to be bigger in Tesla than electric cars. What's your opinion on that? I mean, you know, what he's doing on day-to-day basis, I can't comment on that. Uh, you know, he has lots going on uh, for himself and in his mind. But uh, personal robots, uh, you know, as I said earlier, see, um, in most cases in our lives, generally we have very repeatable processes. You know, we, we cook food, we eat food, uh, you know, we buy some stuff from superstore or uh, grocery store and things like that. With AI approaching the levels of, uh, you know, um, being able to make a lot of complex decisions on our part, it's but it's inevitable that we'll have personal robots doing the menial job. Like nobody wants to be somebody's uh, a slave doing everything for them. And nobody wants in turn to have uh, somebody, you know, obey all their orders. Like, I don't know. I mean, that's my personal opinion. But if if you have a machine taking care of all these things, and and by the way, machines don't throw tantrums. They, they don't get uh, angry. They don't fuss. Uh, they don't pass judgment. They don't, you know, have any issues with uh, self-esteem. So, of course, you know, wherever things can be automated, it's less headache to, to just automate things. You know, that's just a fact. We do that at a personal level as well. So people who, you know, who bark at technology, we all use Alexa, we all use Siri, like, and, you know, if, if you are so much against it, then we'll say, okay, you know, I buy, boycott speaking to any voice robot, but it's convenient. So similarly, as technology improves, personal assistants, all these things will start becoming part and parcel of our lives. And that's where we are going. That's why I said earlier, next five to 10 years, life is going to change and, and conti- will continue to change 
and this world will be different and people will need to adapt. I believe you said something along the lines of within the next like two years or so, um, something would be released. It, with your experience in the AI field, how, how progressed are we, uh, do you feel, in, in the ability to, to have... Let me clarify my question. In, in tech, there is people, for example, the Terminator movies, right? Everybody says, oh my gosh, robots going to take over and, and kill us all. The reality is, as much as I know, is that software progresses infinitely faster than physical technology because of manufacturing and et cetera, et cetera. And so the limitations with often with these things is the tech, the, the, the mechanical tech, not necessarily the computing power to do it. How do you see our progression in the world of, for example, personal robots or robots in, in the workplace where it's not a massive automated machine in a factory, but more of something that can work semi-autonomously based on instruction, maybe not even in our home. How close are we to that, do you think? I mean, it's already happening. So if you just Google or, or go to YouTube, there are humanoid machines who can understand your language, who can respond uh, with uh, the emotional sort of feedback uh, with the with the right facial expression. I mean, as uh, simulated as close to a human being uh, with a smile, with the, you know, uh, blinking of the eyes, all that is already here. Um, IBM Watson machine defeated the world champion in Go. That was a few years ago. And since then they have even more powerful AI uh, already developed. So we are already on that brink. Um, technology is able to simulate a lot of these human behaviors. But at the same time, it is also early because it's experimental, it's not consistent yet, it's quite expensive. So people with deep pockets, they are already enjoying the benefits of all this technology. It, as far as robotics is in manufacturing is concerned, that has been around for decades, right? But now it is getting even more sophisticated. It's, it's getting, getting even to the point where the robots can actually make decisions based on the input and say, okay, you know, this color doesn't match the specification or there's a scratch here. Uh, computers can see now, um, they can hear now, they can actually synthesize voice, they can do all these things uh, right now. And when you start to plug these capabilities into any machine, which can see like a human, which can hear like a human, of course, the possibilities are endless. So the, the idea is that these technologies are right now available, but first they are experimental. So not all the kinks have been worked out. And they are expensive, they are complex, and so few people can afford them, but they are out there right now. And in a few years, it's, it's going to be like very, very common. I mean, let's take an example of a self-driving car. You know, that was a science fiction, what, maybe seven years ago, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Now anybody can have it, right? Yeah, I've got one. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Even just for the fact of as you're driving, you're having to, you know, your job is to pay attention. Um, but the, the level of attention and the fatigue that can come from that in long drives versus monitoring the car to make sure it's doing the right thing is, is a difference in, in, in level of attention and energy expenditure in yeah. it. And I, I think, yeah, you, you know, you're right. A lot of this tech is already here. My, my uncle's a, a, a pilot and he once uh, joked with me that his job is to park the plane because it yeah. will take off, fly and land itself. And then at that time, and you know, this isn't, I haven't spoken to him about this specifically for a few years, but it does essentially fly itself, but they tend to take off and land them, but it can do it. It, it will get to a point where you just have got a guy eating his cornflakes, just watching it, uh, sitting there at the front. Trains in places now 
don't have drivers like in airports in Singapore, you just get in the train and it, and it does its thing. And, and, and that scares a lot of people. Uh, it comes back to that same thing, I think just because they don't understand, but uh, Elon with his cars talked about um, that they're, they're very close to, uh, or if not, I think they've already surpassed, but I think he had a goal of like 10 times or something like that safer than a human driving because we all overestimate how good we are at driving. And so we think we're really good. And so how could a car detect and do all these things? But the statistics show us that actually humans are bad at driving and that cars are better. Interestingly, there was a study and they asked people, do you think that you're above or average, above average, average or below average in, in driving? And the majority of people said that they were above average, which shows that that is not, <laughs> it's delusional because if you all are above average, then you're average. Um, which mm-hmm. I thought was quite funny. I, I have to ask this, uh, and I feel like I know the answer, but I just want to hear hear your thoughts. Where do you see AI and robots and things like that well into the future, 50, 100 years from now? Do you see it being something that becomes an existential crisis for us as humans as we become replaced uh, by technology that is far superior to us in, in all ways and therefore, you know, Planet of the Apes sort of caged by them? Or do you feel like technology like Neuralink, et cetera, that means that we can interface with computers will will allow us to compete? Like, what's your feeling on that? I think it'll be more like Neuralink. Uh, I mean, the, the thing is, at the end of the day, once again, you can read history. Any technology can be used for any purpose, good or bad. Technology itself is always neutral. I mean, you can use uh, fire to cook food and you can use fire to you know kill people the the idea here is that ai has already started impacting our minds and vice versa because everybody you uh, talk to they are o- almost overstimulated with all the um, all the information that is being thrown at their way uh, using uh, social media netflix and you know ads and uh, you know most people don't even watch regular tv anymore so this is a part of AI already impacting human mind and it will continue to do so. And uh, whatever physical shape it takes, in my opinion, I don't think we will need to plant devices. I don't think we'll need to sort of, you know, take 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 these like injections or whatever the Hollywood movie sort of depicts. I believe we will eventually develop almost like... Um, uh, a capability to exchange signals electronically, telepathically, however you want to call it. Because at the end of the day, our minds are also just, you know, uh, electric uh, pulse-making machines, right? Our brains. And that's all it is. So all, all it needs, somebody needs. And in fact, there are some consumer devices on the on the market right now who, which can read your brainwaves and uh, they can actually take action. So, uh, I mean, 50 years, I'm pretty pretty sure that technology will be available that you know seamlessly can integrate with human mind and vice versa and uh, we'll just need to think about okay you know this needs to happen and you know some machine will be able to take that input and do it i feel like neuralink will will, will maybe speed the process because it it bridges the gap between the technological advance to be able to read it at a distance, right? Because that's the thing. If I can just put it in an earpiece like you've got and it can detect whole brain signals and translate and therefore I don't have to I don't have to think the instruction, the instruction organically happens based off of my thinking in the moment. That's the real, the bridge, right? I don't think move yeah, my that's, arm. That's I what I meant. Arm. So mm. that's what I meant. Like, you know, 10 years ago, we used to have to plug uh, a cable into uh, our laptop or desktop to get internet. 
but now you know it's weird to like well what you don't have wi-fi what's wrong with you um so a neural link is at that stage where you know you need cables and all that which is what i'm trying to say like in 50 years those things will not be needed mm. it's interesting because you, you you said a good point and and, it, and it's true we i can't imagine running a business uh researching any anything or thinking in general without having the internet like without having a phone so if i'm having a discussion with someone and someone makes a claim about anything what do i do i immediately access this infinite thing of knowledge to to find references and then i can say that's not true here you go and so sidetrack it it always it irritates me when people make claims without having a basic google search because it's like what planet do you live on google it the answer is there. But secondly, to, to that point, it's like we're already uh, connected with these devices and it's just a, a manual process of getting the device, opening the device, searching the phrase, finding the reference that, that you know, is, is backed up our point and then presenting it. But that will, that will change when uh, the system can read what I'm thinking about and I can essentially be plugged in. I'm hoping that, that I'll be alive to see that time where we are, for example, I, I like playing video games from time to time and you can do cloud gaming now, which makes a ton of sense. And I don't know why it wasn't here ages ago, I guess, internet speeds or something where you can access through an online portal, a, another computer, which has the power to play the video game, even though your computer doesn't, right? I just use the internet to play the game virtually. I can control your computer now from Zoom, right? I do that with my clients. And so I'm looking forward to the time where we can essentially access processing power for our thoughts uh, using like a remote AI computers to assist our brain in making the decision. Because somebody, as I said, as I said, these devices are available today. Can you send me some links? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's actually being used in. I mean, special special cases like you know, it's uh, being used for Alzheimer's uh, patients and and those type of um, uh, situations where they actually cannot physically like do something. And so, you know, they are uh, impaired or basically they, they need help in doing regular stuff because they're, they're handicapped or whatever. So these devices are able to take their thoughts, convert them into actions and a computer takes action on their behalf. Yeah, I mean, if you're interested, I can look it up. But I've talked to many founders who are who, who actually have developed this, and it's in testing right now. Mm. Uh, let me let me pivot here for a second. I thought you'd be the perfect person to to ask this thought experiment uh, with. So, uh, and I, I'd love to know, like, fully your opinion on this because it gets it, it gets into the realm of, of of spiritual, but but logic too, right? If my consciousness uh, is an operation of the synapses in my brain and it, and it forms by having enough of them that it it starts to create an autonomous uh, system that now can think and then I develop self-awareness and that's rudimentary and maybe an accurate version of how we develop consciousness in, in, in beings and creatures. If I was to be able to copy that into a computer, I would live on for everybody else, but not for myself. So in the, this is where I get weird about it. And I'd, I'd love to hear what you think about this. Because when we think about our consciousness, it exists for us, 
in our heads, but can be identically the same and therefore exist for others and have all of my memories. So if I'm downloading my memories, which will probably be, I think they're, they're working, I would assume they're working on this already, right? It's already something that's happening, downloading memories, et cetera. At what point does this weird transition happen between I am me for me and I am me for others through the computer? Do you see what I'm asking? See, I believe there's a flaw in the question itself. You're assuming consciousness is created in your mind. Okay. So it's like going out in a windy day, feeling the wind on our skin and saying, oh, my skin is producing the wind. So think of it this way. Consciousness is a flow of information. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. Our mind is just the capturing device, which is feeling the con consciousness. You, so, you see what I'm saying? So I, I'm currently feeling my consciousness and others would feel my consciousness. I may not feel my others consciousness. Will feel, others will feel their own view of your consciousness or it's a common. So it, again, take the example of the wind, right? It doesn't belong to anybody. Some people... Uh, face it head on. Some people face it sideways. Some people face it, you know, in the opposite direction. Uh, it's the same wind, but everybody has a different perspective of that wind. So consciousness is one and we all take a slice of it. So I guess the bigger question uh, around that is if my consciousness uh, through my perception of my consciousness, if I was downloaded into a computer that could emulate uh, me with all of my memories and ticks, et cetera, my consciousness would be experienced by others in their own way. Um, but I believe that again, I have, I have a very different view on this. Um, see, in my opinion, memories are just snapshots of what we thought actually happened, which is, we all know it's grossly outdated, grossly, uh, you know, overestimated, exaggerated and whatnot, right? So all we are talking about is making some imaginary movie and calling it, okay, this is my life. We do that anyways, like go to any, any movie theater, it's, that's what it is. So I don't understand th this obsession of capturing somebody's memories because those memories themselves are just, you know, just temporary images on our brains, uh, a silver screen. Nobody else knows how accurate that memory is. We just make it up as, as we go, you know? I did a study on that with 9-11 um, and asked people, where were you at 9-11? And then they kept mm -hmm. asking people over time and the stories changed. People who weren't exactly. there thought they were yeah. and then they, yeah. they weren't actually there. Which begs the question, as, as memories become redundant because we will be able to through augmented reality etc cetera, etc cetera, have actual recordings of everything we will we will stop relying on on our brain's ability to to remember because we will have an augmented reality which has an actual recording which we can access at any point in time to actually view um it's going to get it's going to get very strange uh how we talk about that in 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 general life then isn't it because we won't, we won't ever rely on our memory. Then nothing gets, it's, nothing is strange. Nothing is strange. Um, it's always strange to think about the past and it's always strange to think about the future because it's so radically different. But when we are living through it, it's not strange because think about it. Um, I was born in, like I was, I was born in 1975. I grew up 
the very first time i watched television was when i was like in 7th grade and i was like what the how, how how is this even possible that guy is sitting i don't know where and you know i can just like watch him like in real time and uh, not in real time but i can watch him as he's moving his hands and now it's that was a huge huge paradigm shift right and then came the internet and it's like okay you can browse web pages and now we can do video calls and you know like so if you were if you were talking to somebody in 1990 and said there will be a time when you know you could sit halfway across the world and in real time in high definition you can talk to a person they'll be like oh i know but you know star trek stuff maybe another 50 years maybe give it another you know 50 60 years but here we are right in 20 years now it's not as strange in fact it's it's part of life now in fact more people prefer this than that right mm-hmm. the face to face meeting so as technology gets adopted more and more people get comfortable with it it doesn't sound weird in fact deviating from that reality sounds more weird than anything else mm. it's it's a literal example of what you said about uh, memories being a snapshot the the weirdness mm-hmm. that i'm quoting is me trying to perceive something that i can't perceive and will really only yeah. perceive once i am there but if i'm mm-hmm. uh you know living in the moment as it is not thinking about past uh, or or future it 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 is what it is and i'm experiencing it and yeah, and exactly. and i i agree with you i see that for example with myself in 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 business and and what has allowed me to achieve the most success in the thing that i pass on to my clients is uh solve for the problem don't chase ideas and i think that uh, i'm definitely one that that will dream and think about all these things but to actually move forward with it so that you're not stuck in the weirdness and getting overtrapped in your thoughts is to come back to what's happening right now and and you know who has the answer or how can i uh, create that uh, and i think that's yeah i think that's really interesting i love what you said just to to bring back to this about that that consciousness is sort of a misquoting you sort of a there's a there's a shared experience element to it and that i'm currently experiencing my consciousness in a certain way and others are experiencing my consciousness in a different way and whether or not it's in in a machine or in in my head or not is is all sort of almost irrelevant because it's all just a shared a sharedness of the consciousness and so to to to, yeah. to overthink about whether i will be me in that machine is irrelevant because i may now not perceive myself having the consciousness exactly. but the consciousness exactly. is still being perceived i think that was a that resolves it for me because that was always something i thought about is you know this idea of downloading consciousness and living you know forever will there will be a time where that is effectively what is happening it's just and as you put it beautifully my perception of my consciousness might have shifted or or not exist but for all intents and purposes i am uh still in, in perpetuity yeah, exactly. through the machine um uh i'd love to to segue a little bit what are you working on at the moment that that um that you're really interested in so um right now we are working on a business accelerator where you know a lot of people struggle um first of all with some fundamentals of business on how to find what they are good at what do they want to bring to the world then find how do they want to how do they want to package it how do you, how do they want to make it credible for people to invest in their product or service and then sales is another animal that a lot of people don't really understand so in this accelerator our focus is on helping people grow organically using revenue growth rather than raising funding and what not but 
if a business is uh, looking for funding, we, we help with all that. But the accelerator is focused on uh, organic growth through revenue generation. That's what we're working on. And we utilize a lot of the things that we talked about in this uh, interview so far and some proprietary technologies, artificial intelligence based which helped with uh, you know business growth quickly. Everything is related to uh, data, digital uh, digital platforms, and and uh, data science on zeroing in on you know what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that you know a lot of my audience are, are service professionals. They're running small businesses, and 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 we forget that it's all a giant exercise in, in problem solving and vision. If you're clear on on what you want to do, there's multiple paths there, but you've got to to, to focus on solving the immediate problems. And you're right. I think a lot of people, not really in my space, but obviously in the tech space, a lot is relying on, on funding to, to help you grow. I'm going to make this thing. And then a bunch of people will give me money and then a business will come from it. Um, versus how do I make this a minimal viable product that produces a revenue that I can then, you know, and I've always run my businesses like that. And I teach my clients to do the same, uh, because I'm not even of the world of funding and wouldn't even know what to do if somebody gave me a hundred million, but uh, I, I find that interesting to hear about it from the other side. Uh, let me ask you one final question that I ask all my guests and uh, kind of putting you on the spot with it. But I love to get insights from my guests and I'm collating them at the moment because I think that all of us have something extremely valuable to provide in our personal experiences of, and, and, and what we've learned. And so uh, let me ask you, what's the most important thing you ever learned? Communication skills. Uh, the thing is that a lot of people have a lot of skills, a lot of expertise, knowledge. Um, but the only way we acquire that knowledge is through communication, either through reading or listening to some video or whatever, or even, or the best way of learning is just one-on-one -on -one conversation. And then the other way to produce value and deliver that value is also through communication. So you can um, you know, take a a tally of every dollar that you have earned in your lifetime, anything that you have gotten, anything, it is through some sort of conversation you had with somebody else. So whether that's a job, whether that's a business deal, whether that's you know a date, whatever it is. Mm. So I believe communication is the single most important skill to learn. Um, I hadn't paid too much focus or attention to it for the first 40 years of my life. But after that, uh, I did, and a lot of things changed after that. I um, I resonate with that so much. Um, I focused uh, so much on what I can do uh, without relying on other people for various, you know, things that you know, beliefs and and patterns uh, absorbed from childhood. Is is I'll do it myself because I can't rely on others. And you know, I'm I'm recently thirty one and. Uh, what I've realized in these last few years, more and more and more every single day is how much the life experience has improved with the sharing of it with people and how much more can be achieved with people. The, the idea that, you know, it, you know, you got to know people is, is true more than I think most people realize it's not about oh, who, you know, so therefore that's the only way to get opportunities. It's, who you know can accelerate what you're trying to achieve by helping others to share your vision because they have resources. And it's not an unfair thing. It's a mere fact of people can help us to go further. You can go fast by yourself, but you can go far when you've got others. And when you include others 
in that through good communication, as you said, because that's the skill of it. You know, value is important for networking. If I can't offer value to anybody, no one is going to, Elon's not going to want to talk to me unless I can, because he's got billions of people wanting to talk to him, unless there's a value exchange. And a lot of that is just in in clear communication. And, And I couldn't agree more. I think it's something that all of us need to spend a lot more time with conscious focus on is how do I communicate better, ultimately provide more value, um, because yeah, life is about sharing it with people. Everything's better when people are involved. Generally speaking, if I'm going on holiday by myself, might be fun with a whole lot of friends that we resonate together. It's going to be a whole lot more fun. Um, and and at the core of that is is communication. That's um, that's beautiful. Um, where can our audience connect with you and follow what you're doing and and check out your things? Uh, LinkedIn will be the best choice. Uh, just uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, mention this podcast, and, yeah, or visit my website. It's my first name and last name.com. So manojagarwal.com or LinkedIn is best. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. I had a lot of Thank fun. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for checking out this episode. If you liked it, please make sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you're a healthcare professional who wants to get serious about business, check out practiceowner.com where we have a whole lot of resources on helping you to grow more impactful and more financially viable practices. So that's practiceowner.com. Go and check that out if you're a health professional serious about business and don't forget to subscribe.